Welcome to Justice Rising, a podcast of the Intercommunity Peace and Justice Center, where we explore emerging justice work through story and relationship. My name is Will Rutt. I serve as the executive director here at IPJC. On today's episode, I get the exciting and distinct pleasure of sitting down with our new host and producer, Cecilia Flores. We explore her experience as well as what is in store for this upcoming season. Cecilia brings powerful experience working at the intersection of faith and justice through her longtime work at the diocesan level and now her work as a faith-based organizer with Sacramento Act. We are excited to have her guiding the podcast and teasing out deep and meaningful stories from our guests. Welcome, Cecilia. All right. Well, welcome, Cecilia, to the Intercommunity Peace and Justice Center team and to being our new host for Justice Rising. We're really excited to have you. And so during our time, we're, we're just going to get to know you a little bit, dig into some questions that I think you're also going to dig into in this new season uh, and learn a little bit more about the person that's going to be kind of guiding our community through great, deep and profound conversations. Do you want to start by just introducing no yourself real quick? <laughs> yeah, no pressure at all, right? Yeah, no pressure. Um, yeah, sure. My name is Cecilia Flores. I use she, her pronouns. I am based in Sacramento, California, uh, where I work as a community organizer with an organization called Sacramento Act. We do faith-based organizing, so multi-faith in different congregations, different churches, synagogues, mosques, you name it. But doing that work of being on the ground with folks and walking with communities um, and holding space for them and finding ways to fight for justice together. Um, so that's what I do um, aside from now hosting this podcast. Um, I'm also <laughs> a mother of two. I'm a soccer mom minus the van. I can't commit to the van yet. It's just a little too much, maybe well one day. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I have two kids, um, a seven, almost eight year old girl named Kiara and Jacob who is six. And yeah, I've just, I've been working in the Catholic church in a lot of different settings, mostly youth ministry, young adult ministry, uh, Hispanic ministry, campus ministry. I feel like if it has ministry behind it, I've done it, but <laughs> I have a heart for God and um, his people, especially folks who are typically forgotten or marginalized in different ways. So I'm excited. Um, I'm also big on storytelling. I come from like a lineage of storytellers. So um excited to kind of step into this role for IPJC and tell the stories that, um, you know, of folks in the community doing good work. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, could you say a little bit about the work you do at the USCCB? Oh yeah. The, U <laughs> the USCCB. Um, so I am a consultant, uh, to the USCCB. That sounds like such a crazy thing to say. That's a big like, deal. Who, like <laughs> who You know, I'm like, wow, you know, single mother woman of color consulting the bishops who knew. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I consult to the Committee on Cultural Diversity in the Church, um, which is a specific part of the USCCB that really focuses on culture um, and different cultural expressions and how we serve specific cultural communities. Um, and so as a consultant, I kind of give my opinion on things. Um, I raise issues if something has surfaced. I 
also run a committee of young adults um, from all different cultural families across the U.S. Um, so Native American, uh, Black African American, European American, I mean, really everyone, API, you name it, we've got it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I listen to the needs of the community and kind of bring that to the table when um, that specific USCCB committee is holding discussions. Um, so it's it's really an interesting place um, to kind of help with. I just, I never really imagined myself in a role like that. I'm, you know, and as an organizer, I don't like to speak for anyone, right? Like sure. <laughs> my whole thing is like, people can speak for themselves. Mm. I want to empower folks, but you know, in some instances, um, you know, advocacy is necessary. So I really have to kind of step into that role when I'm at those tables to not feel, you know, everyone talks about imposter syndrome, which like, I never really thought I had that. Like, I don't really know what that is, but my whole thing is like, if I'm in there and I'm in that space, it's for a reason and it's for the people that I've been asked to represent. So, yeah. you know, I come to those tables and kind of when we're reading a document, for example, and giving feedback or planning an event, I kind of, you know, say, well, this, these are what my folks have to say about this. This is what I'm hearing on the ground. This is what I think um, about what I've heard. Um, sure. You know, it's been a really, it's, it's really interesting work because again, I never envisioned myself doing that. But it's been, I think, really, um, really hopeful for me to kind of see that there is an opportunity for change at that level. And, you know, also holding myself accountable to the fact that I've been commissioned to do that work and saying, mm. like, if I'm in this space, it's not about me now having, you know, oh, now I'm a consultant. right? Sure. Like, it's not about sure. that. It's about the people that, uh, you know, walk that I carry with me in the room. Mm -hmm. when I speak. So that's, that's what I do with the USCCB. That's neat. Yeah. And being able to bring, yeah, a new voice, a new community, a community that's generally historically been underrepresented in those types of spaces. It's interesting too, in terms of the connection that, that that makes to being a podcast host and producer in terms of being able to make space for voices that might not be traditionally heard on a podcast uh, in a traditional faith background, and then being able to tease out those experiences and stories from those folks. And and in in your when we were talking about you uh, kind of putting your face on the on the podcast, you were naming your discomfort with that. But but really, then you know we okay, so we do the podcast and we put your face on it. But then you get to get out of the way and really tease that out of the guests and, and being able to do that. So yeah. I'm yeah, excited totally. To That's a growing edge for me as far as <laughs> like, um, recognizing that, like, I'm always let, you know, elevating, empowering other folks. That's something I feel very called to, but at the same mm. time, like I have a story and yeah. that's like sometimes hard for me to not remember, but you know, it's like, as I tell people's stories, my story is also being written and changed and formed and it's like I have to remember that and a lot of the times I have to like step back myself from whatever is happening or the moment that I'm in or the moment that has just passed to kind of like examine like okay like yeah I'm facilitating something whether that's a discussion or contributing to a work or whatever it is but like I am also now in the process of being a vessel mm. being impacted at the same time so like yeah. also giving myself space to also feel those things mm. and to try to think about like, what does that mean 
for me, like, I'm not just sitting here telling, you know, listening to someone's story and just like, okay, it's done. <laughs> like, yeah, no, like a lot of stuff people it. share. Yeah. I'm engaging. Yeah. And, and part of it is like the, the storytelling for me in whatever setting it is, like, it's really about building relationship. Like the stories aren't, don't exist in a vacuum to serve a right. purpose or an end. Right. It's about people. And so whenever I'm hearing someone's story, like I'm not listening to a story for the purpose of finding something that's going to support what I think mm -hmm. or going to advance mm -hmm. whatever it is I need to get done. Like I'm listening to the story because I'm invested in people. I'm sure. going to care about people and I want to know who you are and why you think the way you do and what's important to you and what hurts you. Mm. Um, so that's important to me, I think, in the aspect of like storytelling and connecting everything. Sometimes we joke um, with some of my friends, like, I can't not have a deep conversation. <laughs> like, I don't know if you have this yeah. problem with yeah, justice yeah, yeah. work. I but can it's relate. Like, sometimes, yeah, like I had, like one time my friend came over and he was sharing like, oh, I really like that lamp. And me being the type <laughs> of person I am, I'll never forget it because he get right out, you know, I said, oh, well, what do you like about that lamp? And he's like, yo, it's really not that deep. Like, I just like the lamp, okay? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Let I, me like the lamp. I heard myself. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I'm sorry. I just heard what I did there and I apologize. So yeah, I think it's, but I care, right? And like the stories mm -hmm. are just so interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And then he told me what he liked about the lamp too. So <laughs> you got what you wanted. <laughs> I did, I did. There's there's a story in everything, right? You got so. the story. That's what matters. Yeah, got um, the story. <laughs> love it well yeah it's so fun because this is kind of a, a different episode in the sense that we really get to spend some time hearing your story and so we you and i came up with some questions that that we thought one would be good for listeners to get to know you but i think also we're modeling a little bit of what the season's going to look like and some of this the questions that we're going to dig into or you're going to dig into with the the different guests so We'll jump into those, and I think um, one of them is is the, the first one that we we were talking about is this question of what is your justice origin story, which I think so much it speaks to one what you've already shared in terms of your own experience, but yeah, what how did you get to this? What really put you on this path of working for justice, and what's that what's that origin story that really informed and shaped you? to the person you are today that's that's really working on on justice work full-time as your job and now a podcast host and in so many different I think you know I really look back at my life and kind of the way that I was raised was raised how I was raised um and even like before that, right, ancestry and stories are also important. Um, I'm Filipino American born in the US. Um in California specifically. And my dad is actually, you know, he's, he's so Filipino, which it's a weird thing to say, but <laughs> if you're, if you're around Filipinos, you might kind of understand what that means. Hmm. Um, and growing up, it was always so interesting because um, he was very aware and of everything happening in his homeland. And he wanted us to be aware of those realities as well. Hmm. Um, so we visited the Philippines a lot as kids, um, you know, every month or two months or whatever, he would kind of get this big box and he would fill it with things. We'd go to the store, we'd buy it, you know, we'd get, you know, some of our used clothes that didn't fit us anymore. We'd put them in these boxes 
and he would ship them back, you know, to the Philippines, or if somebody was going back on a trip, he would do the same thing. So we were mm. really raised kind of like this awareness of like, we are here, but our family is somewhere else or part of our family is somewhere else and they need mm. our help and we care about them. So I grew up kind of in that environment. And I remember really distinctly when I was about seven or eight, I remember, I think it was between first and second grade, we went back to the Philippines for summer vacation. And, um, you know, we were on my dad's farm. My dad's from the island of Mindanao, which is super far in the south. Um, and it's a primarily Muslim region where he lives. And um, also a lot of poverty, it's kind of disconnected. You know, it's a very remote place. And I guess that was like the first time I really realized, like had seen poverty in like a, a in your face kind of like, this is it, you know, and I, I didn't grow up in the best area in the US mm -hmm. by any means. Mm -hmm. um, but like, there's something different about realizing like your cousins, you know, live in, you know, a hut with a dirt floor, they go to wherever the well to get their water, they don't have electricity all day, like all of those things, you don't really realize until you're like, actually there and you're with your cousins. And I remember having a moment where somehow I was talking to my cousin and the topic of shampoo came up and it was just like, she was saying she didn't have shampoo. And I think she was just actually saying like, she didn't have shampoo at that moment, but for <laughs> whatever reason, my mind thought she like, just didn't have access to shampoo. Mm -hmm. Um, which <laughs> I'm like, what was my self-interest at my age? That that's what was important <laughs> to me. But sure. anyway, like I remember going to my mom's suitcase, like I went back to our, our big house and, I was going through the suitcase looking for like desperately looking for extra shampoo to give to my cousin. Remember my mom was kind of like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, getting shampoos. And it was just kind of this recognition of like, what, like now I look back on that and I'm, I think like, wow, like the recognition of one, someone in need two, the recognition of like, there are people who don't live like I do. But there are ways that I can give them, you know, I can contribute to them having a better life, whatever that means, right? Sure. Um, yeah, to sure. my seven-year-old, eight-year-old self that meant having shampoo. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, having that recognition of like, there are people in the world who live very differently from the way that I do. And something is not right with that. Like that shouldn't be happening, mm -hmm. right? And um, I think that was something that really kind of formed me in a different way. My, you know, I remember leaving that visit and like all of my cousins became my pen pals and we would write letters back and forth. I always wonder like, did they actually get there? Cause I'm like, how does mail work? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and like, you know, and we would send money in these little envelopes and it was just this whole understanding. And whenever we go back, even still to this day, it's, it's a very kind of moving experience to kind of be there. And, you know, I mean, it's like, that's, where my grandfather and grandmother started their lives. And that's where they started this family and being connected to that is so important, not only to being connected family wise and, but also like to this land that they, sure. you know, worked with their own hand, built, you know, their home from the ground up and trees that they planted that are now grown and fruitful, like all of that. And having this experience of like, the world is not just what I see every day. I think mm. that really grounds me um, mm. and it just continues to move me forward. Right. Like I always look back on that experience of on that farm um, as a seven year old and as a 15 year old and as a 21 year old, like all of those experiences. And it's like, 
it's an origin story, but it's also like, I also feel like I jumped into a story, right? Cause it's, it's more than just me. That's just sure. where my journey began. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. And I think this next question that we talked about and, and hope to explore with a lot of the guests, I think it's really interwoven with the first question around origin story, because what we really want to understand is and kind of giving away a little bit about the upcoming season, but what are the kind of cultural connections, cultural background, cultural experience that inform how we approach justice? So for you, I'm curious, what is what is like a Filipina American justice approach to justice look like? What does that mean? How does that different? What what are the things that impact that community and, and, and what does that look like for you in your life? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I think like with any culture and any community, no there are there are no monoliths, right? Like everything is so different. Yeah. Um the way that I was raised, like being very aware of what happens in the Philippines. Like, for example, my dad still to this day, he's lived in the U.S. for decades, does not want to be a U.S. citizen because, mm-hmm. you know, he is a Philippine citizen. That is his home. That is where he's from. He lives here. Like, that's mm-hmm. if you ask him, he lives in America. He lives in the United States of America, but he is Filipino from the Philippines. Right. And I think there are other Filipinos that were born here that that's not their experience and that's not how they were raised and that's not how their parents react to kind of like this question of culture. But I think for myself, one being raised by my dad, who was so much, um, you know, rooted in what happened in the the motherland really kind of influenced the way that Mm -hmm. I kind of grappled with being Filipino, but also being born right in the U S um, a lot of folks kind of, and I, I think this was also my experience, but maybe even to a lesser degree, like that experience of not being from here or there. Yeah. I, I would say yeah. I experienced that to a lesser degree because I was always there. Like, like that's how it felt to me. Like we were sure. there often. We were always in touch with folks. Someone was always going back. And um, so I, I do remember the moment when I was a little bit older, we'd been, you know, at, on my mom's island, which is a different island, Cebu. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we spent so much time there. I just remember my cousin saying at one point, like, you are, you're a real Filipino. <laughs> and, I, and it was just kind of like, like, there was kind of this moment where I was like, what? Like, I thought, I thought, I mean, I thought I was a real Filipino this whole time. Like, obviously, like, I don't speak the language like you do. And, but like, sure. he was having this recognition of like, you are one of us in a different way. Like, we weren't just his cousins that mm-hmm. live in the U.S., we've spent enough time with them and we've been there enough and we've lived enough alongside each other that like we were real Filipinos, which I always thought was really, really interesting. You know, I grew up Filipino in California, but I didn't learn the history of Filipino history, like of the country of the Philippines. And I didn't learn Mm -hmm. the history of Filipinos in America Like until I was in college, I went to San Francisco State, birthplace of the College of Ethnic Studies. And that's where I started to take ethnic studies classes and learn like all these things I'd never learned. And it was just it was a very interesting experience because I thought I knew a lot about the Philippines because I'd been there so many times. And, you know, my dad raised us very aware, but it kind of just shows like there's always more to a story. Right. And there's always a different perspective to a story. And there's always a different take on like 
was that a good thing? Was that a bad thing? And how does that impact me? And what do I think? Like that was kind of a an interesting time in my life because you know I'm learning about like the Philippine American War, and then we sure. were learning about kind of like you know the people power movement in the Philippines and the migration at like so many Filipinos fleeing the Marcos regime, like all of that. And it was like, how did I not? Like, you know, my cousin told me I was a real Filipino. How, yeah, did I how, do, you re- how do you reconcile those two realities? Sure. Yes, exactly. Um, and I also mm. went through an experience where it was kind of interesting, like getting involved and in, in wanting to kind of be involved in the Filipino American community when it came to justice issues. You know, I remember in college, um, one thing was like um, the veteranos, right? So there were Filipinos who fought in World War II on behalf of the United States, but that didn't get wow. the same benefits um, sure. as, didn't you know, the, the like U.S. soldiers. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm, exactly. So that was like a big thing that we were working on at the time. And we'd go and visit, they called the Monongs. We would go visit them because there a lot of them were still alive at that time. Mm. And, but it was just so interesting because it was like this piece of like, you know, you think you're, you think, you know, a lot and you think you're like very well informed. And then you realize again, like there's just so much to learn and so, Mm. so many different things that, you know, I don't want to say they fell through the cracks. Part of me wonders like, well, I do think information might be like withheld intentionally, but Mm. I also think like the way, like my dad would talk about some of these issues was really different sometimes than the way that Mm. other folks um, in the Filipino community or the Filipino American community would talk about those things. Mm. And so I think when it comes to culture, for me on a personal level, I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm not an investigator, but I do like to just hear different perspectives. Sure. Um, like, I think that piece of like critical analysis and kind of hearing different sides, even, even the most like things that sound absolutely outrageous sometimes like to me it's Mm -hmm. important to just even hear like but what's the art like I just it's not that I'm going to agree with it like I just want to hear what it is and I think sometimes you know in justice work it's hard to listen to things that you know are like just they don't you know they don't line up with your your morals (laughs) yeah you are so wrong you are the you know and it could feel wrong to even listen to some of that (laughs) stuff Um, But I think, you know, for me, it's more like I'll listen to something for the purpose of informing myself of what folks are thinking and what the the thought process is not necessarily like I'm not listening because I don't know how I feel. So maybe let me hear how you feel. and That'll inform like that's not what I listen to. But I think, you know, looking at the variety of stories, you know, Mm -hmm. as a Filipino American and realizing like how much was missing in all the stories I got like that, that's something I carry with me now is like, okay, but like you know, this intentionality and hearing different sides, um, which is hard work to do. <laughs> I'm not yeah. to say I'm, I'm not known to be the most patient person. Um, but you know, <laughs> being willing to kind of listen to things you don't automatically agree with, sure. or that you just know for a fact you disagree with. Yeah. Yeah. And allow, I imagine to, I, I think about kind of the allowing that to disrupt some of the assumptions that are being made or that you walk into those kind of conversations with <clears throat> or be, being willing to disrupt them. Maybe, maybe that hasn't always happened because <laughs> sometimes it confirms exactly what you believed or what you thought. Uh, and it's like, Oh yeah, this is my goodness. <laughs> that does happen a lot. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. It can be really confirming, but, but also there's those moments where it does become really disruptive or disorienting because it's totally different from what, 
what the assumptions that we walk in to some of those environments with. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, well, continuing kind of on the, on the lens of justice and where your experience comes into play with that for you, obviously we are IPJC is a Catholic organization sponsored by 24 religious congregations. And so we are hoping to ask questions from a faith perspective. And, and I think obviously you, you bring tons of experience in that category, but also your own, your own perspectives and formation that, that inform that. So I'm curious what, what for you is the intersection of faith and justice? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I feel like that's a lifelong, a lifelong question that I can, that you continues to grow. Like if you'd asked me 10 years ago, this answer would have been way different. Sure. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, when it comes to faith, I've had such an interesting journey. I mean, like my mom could attest to that for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, I had a really kind of rough and, um, rebellious stage when I was younger and, uh, you know, kind of went through all these kind of, you know, the best of us do it. No, I'm just kidding. But you know, there was kind of <laughs> that teenager trying to find angst. all that. Yeah. Yes. The sure. angst and the anger and the trying to find your place, all of that kind of Ooh. stuff. And um, I, I had a very powerful experience, you know, um, at a retreat when I was younger. And that kind of just really sparked this desire to learn more about my faith but specifically kind of like to grow in relationship with God. Mm. Um, and it was interesting because if you look at the timing, it kind of aligned like right around the time I started college <laughs> and I started, you know, really diving into ethnic studies and mm. learning about, you know, the history of my people, the history of, you know, other BIPOC communities, the history of, you know, imperialism and colonial, like all these things. So I'm like having this religious experience over here. And then I'm having like this racial, but also like justice thing going on over here. Mm. Um, and at that time, you know, I did, I did not think those things could coexist in mm. the way that I do now. So like, I remember just feeling so conflicted because I didn't want to like, you know, it's like, oh, I don't want to tell like my, my activist friends that I'm like super Catholic. Cause you know, they're mm. all about like overthrowing sure. the patriarchy. And I just don't know. Cause I'm over <laughs> here and I'm praising Jesus when I'm at youth group. Like, I don't know what right. to do. I don't know how to do it, but yeah, that's disorienting. in that stage of my life. Yeah. And like in that stage of my life, I remember thinking like justice was housed like not in my faith side right mm. like i remember like you know the stuff i talked about like the veteranos and doing some of that activism as a college student i did that with like my ethnic studies friends sure. with my like college friends mm -hmm. with my activist friends and whatever movements i was involved in like that's where i did justice work that's where we studied law and history and tried to pass bills and get things and fundings. That's where we did that. Mm -hmm. And the justice, you know, the faith stuff was like, well, I go to church, we do retreats, we talk to youth, we go on trip. Like, this is what happens over here. I did not mm -hmm. see a place um, for justice work. And I think part of it is like, I was learning one that like working for justice 
in the way that we were doing that, you know, through organizing and through advocacy and activism mobilization, like the church was doing charity. Um, and at that time I was like, we don't want your charity. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, I, that's where we were at. Right. Like, sure. Which sure. was funny because, you know, as a youth minister, I'm like, but please donate to the St. Vincent de Paul. Like there, there was a lot of, you know, mm. disconnect happening in my life at that stage. And it, it really wasn't until, you know, I, I discovered like faith-based community organizing mm. um, that I really started to see like, whoa, like you can like do justice work in this way mm. through because of your faith. Yeah. Right. And seeing like, well, my faith, because I always felt that. And I think within the Catholic church, I just never found a place for it. Mm. And I thought, you know, mm. I met folks who understood it. You know, I, I like, I do know, like my church had a super active, like, you know, St. Vincent de Paul and ministries, like to the unhoused, to folks who needed it. Like I was familiar with like Catholic charities and immigration legals, like their immigration, legal, like I, I was familiar with those things, yeah. but I always felt like, I wanted to do more of the work that I was doing, you know, on my quote unquote justice side of my life, which was like, I want to like, yeah, let's like demand funding so we can fund our community programs. Let's demand this. Let's get this off. Let's start like, that was what I wanted. And I couldn't find a place for that in the church. Um, and in many ways it felt almost patronizing. It was hard for me to kind of see like, do we do nothing but patronize poor people like that yeah, because that's like all i would see you know form of gaslighting right for sure yeah it's kind of like okay well we'll take the youth group to go feed at the you know at the, the the dinner or whatever for the unhoused we'll do that we'll do you know and it again like not that that stuff was bad but within me i i you know i was kind of like i want to like do stuff with structures and mm -hmm. like looking at the world like i don't i don't want to just keep helping folks knowing that more and more folks are falling into poverty and becoming homeless and like all of that stuff like there's clearly a problem and I know there's got to be some way we can work to solve it and I never found a place for that within the church until I got involved um, with faith-based community organizing yeah. and now it's kind of like that gave me how do I put this like it gave me uh, like it was like the manifestation of like everything that I felt sure. right like my faith wants me to move to have a better world. Like there was just always been this, this mm. feeling that I had of like, I just can't, like, I can't believe that a loving God would want anyone to live this way. Mm. And like, that's what moves me forward. Right. In my, in my work towards justice, like I just look at things happen and I'm like, that can't, I don't know. The God I know would not be pleased by that. And again, that might sound really, you know, like relativist to some people, but mm. it's like, for me, I'm like, I, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm very close to God and I pray and I'm in relationship with him. Mm. And so kind of that dynamic, right. Of feeling like, I just think like we need to do something about those things. And so for me, like the justice portion and fighting for justice and working toward justice, really like, I mean, that's a response to my relationship with God and how like, you know, like I can't say I believe all these things, like, Oh, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. But, you know, like, like, I just can't, I can't do that. Like, if yeah. I really believe that what I say that I believe, then like, I have to do something. So it's almost like they, they go hand in hand, but like my faith causes me to desire justice, like in, in my own personal, like ecosystem and ecology, like that's, that's what I believe. And that's how I move.
Yeah. I, I really appreciate it. And that really, that resonates a lot, especially around the pathway of faith-based community organizing into the meshing of faith and justice, because so in my experience, I, you know, I taught at a Jesuit prep school for five and a half years, and I was the director of justice formation. And we were always kind of asking this question, like, how do we get students to make that transition from charity to justice? And I, I swear, we were just like spinning our wheels. You know, we would do like traditional advocacy campaigns and things like that. And then start to really come back to my own roots and my own training uh, really early on when I was in college with community organizing. And it was just like this light bulb that went off in terms of like, oh my gosh, there's this whole pedagogy and framework for exactly what we want to do. And it's called community organizing. And it it's the exact vehicle that allows us to marry those two worlds, to bring those two worlds together in a really deeply beautiful, relational, powerful way that actually gets stuff done, <laughs> right? Like that, that actually addresses systemic yeah. problems, but, but really informed by the experience of a relationship with God and grounded in it. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thanks. That's exciting. Okay. Two more questions, two more questions. Okay. Uh, and I think you've, you've named this in a lot of different ways. And you said, when we were originally talking, you're like, this is the question I want to ask everybody who comes on the show. Um, but I, I'm already hearing it too, like the, the reality of tension within your own story in terms of kind of your, your own cultural upbringing and, and living, you know, nide aqui, nide allá, right? Like neither places mm -hmm. or uh, this tension between faith and justice and what does that look like? So, so for you right in this moment, what's, what's a tension or feeling you are having or experiencing in your justice work? Yeah. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is kind of this, it's, it's not specifically issue related. I think it's more of like in, in approaches, but, um, this lack of ability for folks on different sides to hear each other out. And I kind of talked about that, right? <laughs> How yeah. I like hearing everyone's story because I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. But um, it's not because I'm like, she's Mosa. Maybe it is. But, you know, like, <laughs> like there's there's this desire to just know what people are thinking. But sure. I think it's, you know, we don't want to hear each other. Um, and I think, you know, it's something I'm seeing particularly like right now, um, you know, with like post row Dobbs, like there's this like, okay, you fall on this side and we fall on that side. And, you know, this is, this is the line you don't cross kind of thing. And everybody has a different line for that. Right. So it's different issues for different groups and different people, but there is the line for people. And I, I don't have a line. Like, I mean, that's, that's a bold thing to say. Um, <laughs> it's not that I don't agree or disagree, but, you know, we have that organizing principle, like, you know, um, no permanent allies, no permanent enemies, just mm -hmm. permanent interests. Right. And um, our interest mm -hmm. is in our community and that our community would thrive and that people right. would live according to their dignity, you know, and have everything they need to live a mm -hmm. good life. Like mm -hmm. that's what I'm interested, you know, and sure. we're interested in, make you know like the relationship with people and the relationship with god like that's that's my interest so like this idea of drawing a line or like naming a deal breaker there's so many of those right like yeah. everyone has 
a different line sometimes. Every org has different lines and deal breakers and it, it makes things complicated when, you know, you're trying to work toward a common goal, but maybe you disagree on how exactly to get there or, you know, you're working on X together, but you disagree on Y, right? So like some people will say like, well, we're working on this funding for whatever, but you guys also feel this way about this. So I don't mm -hmm. know if we can work mm -hmm. together. Right. And it's, it's that kind of dynamic that um, it's, it's a tension that I see, but in many ways, like it's a tension I feel, but honestly, it might be a weird thing to say, but like, I really feel called to like sit in that tension. Maybe again, maybe it's for like, cause I'm chismosa. I don't know. Like I, <laughs> I like sitting in that tension and kind of mm -hmm. like seeing what's going to happen. And like, where is this going to go? And also, you know, kind of like calling people back into relationship. Cause I think, you know, one of the most like unproductive things when we're working toward justice is like not being in relationship with one another. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, I'm one of those people who kind of like believes in, in folks like believing that what they're doing is the right thing. Like I, I, I don't think most people walk around like wanting to ruin people's lives. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I hope not. I'm not saying that those people don't exist, mm -hmm. but I, I like to think the best of folks. And, you know, sometimes we just disagree on how to get there. Or sometimes we disagree on like, what's the most important thing and who is the most important person or whatever it is. But like being able to sit in that tension of like, okay, there's all these people with different ideas of what's right and what's wrong and just hold folks in that space and create a space where folks feel free to do that. Um, that I think is what really moves power, right? Is like, how, how do we sit here? I know that we don't agree about how to approach this issue, but like, I think we, we agree here. So like, can we just move a little bit forward? Maybe we don't take huge steps, but right. It's like all of this kind of like brokering of relationships and issues. Um, mm -hmm. But it's like, I mean, I feel like that's how it is in like a family, like <laughs> in sure. personal dynamics with friends. Like, you know, it's like, okay, I don't agree with some things my friends do. And they say some crazy things, but at the end of the day, they're my friends and I care about them. And, you know, I value our relationship. Mm -hmm. So you know, we'll figure it out. Like, I feel like that's, that's kind of the tension that I see, but also like how I feel called to sit in it. Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks. All right. Last question. What, 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 what do you have cooking for this uh, upcoming season of justice rising? Uh, what do I have cooking? Yeah. What, 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 what do we, what can we expect this upcoming season? So I'm really excited. Um, we're going to be kind of exploring that intersection between culture um, and justice, culture, faith, and justice, almost kind of like the cross point of all these different things and how they overlap. And just really hearing from folks from different cultural backgrounds and perspectives and, and learning about how those things impact, you know, their journeys in justice and the issues they work on, their approaches, because I do think culture is just so deeply ingrained and just like everything. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what we're going to be examining. And I'm so excited because I'm always just so, again, I, I like to learn. I like to hear people's stories. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes in justice work, 
we get so focused on the issues, you know, and again, issues are important, but at the end of the day, like the issues are important because they affect people. So I want to know about people and that's what we're (laughs) going to be doing this season. So I'm super, super excited for that. Beautiful. Well, I think I speak for, at least for our staff, for IPJC community when I think we're equally excited for the episodes and for the season, but also just to have you guiding the way. Um, but I, but I think too, one of the, one of the really exciting pieces for us as well, especially with your experience in faith-based organizing is that as an organization, we're really trying to ground all of our practice and work in relationship building. And what does it look like to take on the practice of organizing and how we do our systemic change work as an organization. So to be able to have you kind of bringing that experience, that perspective, I think it's going to be really informative for the organization itself as we kind of grow into this next phase of who we are and and how we go about justice work in terms of our own kind of theory of change, but way of proceeding and how we're walking with communities directly. yeah, just, just welcome uh, and really excited. Thank you. Yeah, thankful for it. It's going to be a beautiful journey. Great. It is. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Beautiful. Thanks. The Inner Community Peace and Justice Center is sponsored by 24 Catholic religious congregations. Grounded in the charisms of our sponsoring congregations and Catholic social teaching, we build community to act for systemic change in our church and world. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Any notes or references from the interview can be found on our website at ipjc.org slash justice rising. You can follow IPJC's work on Instagram at IPJCSeattle. If you like this episode, please consider donating to support our work at ipjc.org, as well as hitting the subscribe button to follow along wherever you get your podcasts.